joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melts the clouds of Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, that's where we are going to jump off from this morning as we continue our lesson of Wake Up. Uh, the idea that once we realize realize how important our faith is, once we realize um, what our faith is, we have to wake up and use our faith to live and to walk every single day. And so uh, the book of Ephesians kind of talks to us uh, through those things and about some of those things. And last week, really to, to kind of jump into chapter three, just all of a sudden is hard when we don't kind of back up. If you weren't with us last week and kind of recap where we were. Last week, Paul talked about, um, or in the text that we looked at, Paul uh, mentions this idea of, of separation. He mentions this idea of separation. He mentions this idea of barriers, uh, things that are dividing God's people from each other or from, from God himself, really, especially we talked about the temple and, uh, and, and the things that happened uh, in the temple. Let me see if I can, I, may, I think I put this slide in the wrong spot, but I know I'll put it in here. Yeah, so, so we, the, the imagery he gave was of the temple of the Old Testament of the Old Law, and he talked about uh, divisions and barriers, and we talked about this barrier right here in particular that, that the Jewish people kind of created around the temple in an effort to keep the non-Jews out, to keep the Gentiles out. And the challenge that's being faced by God's people at this time is, is this idea that there used to be this division of God's favorite people, right? The people of Israel, they at one time were God's chosen people, God's favorite people, the people that were the most important to God, and everybody else came second. And as Christ died, and we see the church being formed in the book of Acts, Christians become God's chosen people. Christians become God's favorite people. And that includes anybody and everybody that becomes a Christian, not just the Jewish people, but the Jewish and the non-Jews. And so they had this issue. They were struggling, and, and understandably so. If you had been told your whole life, and for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, that you're the most important, even when things change, your mindset is that you're the what? You're still the most important. And But then you've got this other group that's always been told they were less, they were not as good, they were not as important, and they're proud because now I'm important. Now I'm not just a little bit important, I'm just as important as you, even though I'm different than you, even though my, my, my background's different than you, even though I may not have known Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit or, or anything about religion at all, all this time. Now I've come into the church, I'm a Christian, and God says there's no barrier anymore. There's nothing that should divide us. We should be one. He goes on and he talks that he made this, this group one for his purpose, for his will. And he's continuing that thought as we get into chapter 3. So let's read our text together. We'll read chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 together. Then we're going to 
step back into just a couple of the passages, a couple of the verses, and talk about a few things together. So he starts out, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have uh, already written briefly. So he's kind of establishing what his purpose is, who he is. He's Paul, he's an apostle, and specifically for the sake of the Gentiles or the non-Jews. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the work of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. That must have been where I accidentally stopped my slides. All right, let's keep going. Good thing is I've got my Bible. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly realm according to His eternal purpose that uh, He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. All right. So, so what's he what's he trying to get us to here? What, what's he what's he trying to get us to understand? I, I think there's three sections in this in this set of verses that really, to me, jump out and, and talk to us about a few things. Let's see if Ron looks like he's found where where I'm trying to get. All right. So the first one starts in verse six. So this is the passage here. He says that the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So the first image that he's given here, he, he's, he spends the end of chapter 2 laying the groundwork, not only laying the groundwork, but making the case, getting us to understand that there's no division between us. There's no boundaries. We're all equal and together in Jesus. And he says, now, there's something that we get in that. When we become a child of God, in, in the past, sometimes I believe we taught this idea that our Christianity is all about giving. We, it's, it's, we shouldn't expect anything. We should just give and give and give. But in any relationship, in any covenant for that matter, relationships are about giving and taking, giving and taking. If I give to God, God gives to me. And the first thing he says in this particular text is, that we get something. He says, as Gentile Christians who have heard the gospel and become children of God, he said that we get three things. We are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I love this idea that we receive these great blessings through Jesus. And it's not, it's not that we receive some blessings we all receive the same blessings. 
He says that first and foremost, we are heirs together. Usually, if a family has an heir, how many heirs does a family usually have? If the king dies, who becomes king? All the kids or one of the kids? One of the kids. And he's taking that idea and he's saying, look, there was a time, there was a time when just one group of people were this important to me, that one group of people had the benefit of being my favorite, of being my child. He said, now all of you are heirs together. You are all equally important. You are all equally rich. You all equally are going to to receive the same thing from me. I I, I was reading somewhere this week as I was trying to, to, to think about some things and and wrap my mind around some thoughts today. And he says this idea that um, when when you have someone in your family that dies, and maybe you, uh, as a, as a as a as kids, you receive the house that maybe your parents lived in. He said that you know one kid doesn't receive the upstairs as an inheritance, and then another kid received the basement as a inheritance, and then maybe the kid they didn't like the most. It's just written up. Okay, well. You're going to get the laundry room and that's it. You know, he's like, no, that's not how it is. He said, you, you get the house. You get all of it together. All the goodness that comes with it. And as heirs of God, together, we get all of these blessings to their fullness. Not a little bit, not here or there, but all together. And then he goes on and he says that we are members together of one body. There's no separation in us. If you are a Christian, you are a Christian. And you are part of this family. And I'm going to tell you, this is just my experience. This is my experience. I, in ministry, one of the things that, um, that you do in ministry from time to time is, is pack up and, and go into a new ministry in another place. And for the most part, for the most part, uh, a lot of Christians spend a lot of their walk, a lot of their journey, a lot of their life in the same church family, in that location, um, or the or the majority of their time of their faith, uh, ministers, you know, they, they do move a lot at, at times. One of the blessings of that process has been you really, at least for us, you really get to experience the idea of we are one family. As Christians, that we are one family, that there are different places that we can go and that we can visit and we can and stop and see people, and they are as much our church family as you guys are. And we've experienced that in some meaningful ways and some powerful ways. And he tells us, he said, We are members together of one body, we are one church. There is unity in that, there is, there is comfort in that, there is. Um, the idea that no matter where I am, I can find brothers and sisters. And then he says we are also sharers together in the promise, uh, in the promise in Christ Jesus. So it's just this idea that we are all here together. And I think of this this particular verse. That word "together" is my favorite because to me, when we're together, it's this idea that no matter what's coming. We're going to face it together. We're going to face it together. And here's what tends to happen sometimes in any organization, okay? In any organization, this is what tends to happen. When things are trending in a positive direction and things are trending in a good direction and things are trending in a direction that 
that it, it kind of generating buzz. And, and, and luckily and fortunately for us here at Ninth Avenue, I feel like we're, we're moving in that direction. We've seen growth uh, over the last few weeks, over the last few months. There has been a there's been a lot of conversation within the community about the things that are going on and, and that we're doing and, and what's happening here at Ninth Avenue, and that's a great thing. But when things are positive, what tends to happen? People want to what? People want to be a part of that, right? People want to be a part of good and positive things, and we want people to come and be a part of the good and positive things that are happening at this church. But what tends to happen when things aren't going so positive? And so well, when we're in the challenges, when we're in the trenches and trenches and facing problems together, what what tends to happen? Is that when people tend to flock to what where you are and what you're doing? No, people tend to what? They tend to leave. They tend to leave. Do you know where real growth happens? Real growth happens when we face challenges together. Real growth happens when we go through difficult times together. And as great as these, these, these positive, time, positive times are right here, right now with us at Ninth Avenue, we've also faced our fair share of challenges over the last few years. And one of the things that I have grown to love about so many of you is that despite the challenges you've been willing to be here and work through those challenges together. And I know that that only makes us stronger. That only grows us closer together. And I also know that there's going to be more challenges to come. That when we as a church start moving in a positive direction, what's Satan going to do? Satan's going to put a target on our back and go, I've got to do something about that. So there are going to be more challenges that come our way. There's going to be more difficult times that come our way. Jamie and them aren't here with us today, but Jamie's real funny in our meetings. If we ever mention in a meeting, hey, things are going well, Jamie goes, don't say that. Don't say that because as soon as you say it, what happens? Something, something bad happens, right? And so that's kind of become a little joke with Jamie, but, but there's truth to that. Challenging times are ahead of us, no matter how good they may be today. But I know we've been together through challenging times already. And that gives me hope and the promise that when challenging times come again, I know that I can lean on you. I know that you can, you should know that you can lean on me, that we can do this together. And that's what he's calling us to do, is to be together no matter what goes on in our walk as Christians with each other. So that's what we get. We get those things from God. We get each other. But what, what do we do? Okay, what's our purpose? What's, what are we trying to accomplish? Well, he's going to go on and make these statements in verse 10. He says, his intent that now through the church, so now that we're together, what does he want to happen? He says, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, we can get real deep into this, but we're not going to today. But we will touch on it a little bit. The book of Ephesians is the most, outside of the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, or the book of Ephesians, rather, deals with more spiritual realm topics than any other book of the Bible. And the first thing I see here is that we have to realize that 
our faith, our walk is not just a physical walk, it is a spiritual walk. But maybe more importantly to me that his intent is that through us, the wisdom of God should be made known. That we have a message. We have a responsibility. That while we're together and we're benefiting from the great things that come from being part of God's family, we have a responsibility not to sit here and just hoard it up. Not to just sit here and hold on to it and be like, well, this is ours. And, and I love the way things are right now. I love being together with these people, but I don't want to be together with those people. That's, that's not what he's calling us to do. He's saying that we hold within us the wisdom of God. We have his message. We have his hope. We have his promise. And it is his intent, not Matthew's intent, not the elders of Ninth Avenue's intent. It is God's intent that we take that message and we let it be known. We let it be known. I'm sure that the idea of sharing your faith with people scares some of you. I'm sure it does. I know it does. Because at times it scares me. At times it scares me. But that's not a reason for us not to. It is our responsibility as children of God to take our relationship with Him serious, to enjoy that relationship, to find the hope in that relationship, but then turn around and share with people what they can have in that relationship. This world offers so many things. It offers so many things. And a lot of them look good. And a lot of them in and of themselves aren't bad. But they're not as good as God. If you watch the news for just a few moments, you realize that our nation has forgotten that. There was a time that as a whole, our nation really felt like the greatest things were of God. And, 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 and many of you were raised or raised kids during that time. But then a lot of you now would say, Man, I really, I really dread what my kids are going to grow up in and face and graze, raise their kids in. But do you know how we change that? Do you know how we change the course of a nation who seems to be going away from God? We share God. And we look at our politicians and we go, well, they've let this happen and they're doing this and they're doing that. I really believe that the reason our country is heading in the direction and doing things that it's doing and, and, and exalting things that it's exalting is because as Christians, we've quit sharing the hope of God with people. We've quit sharing it. It's our responsibility. It's not just my responsibility. It's our responsibility. And so as we're getting, as we're receiving all these great blessings from Jesus and from God and from the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to take them, live in them, enjoy them, but also share them so that other people can know the goodness of God. That is God's intent for us. And then here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. Here's maybe one of the greatest blessings that we receive from our walk with God. He says in verse 11, according to his eternal, eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. 
Look at that highlighted verse, verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach with freedom or approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, for those who were Jews, they understood that approaching God was a very holy thing, right? The high priest could only go into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, one day a year on the Day of Atonement. There was a huge sanctification process, purification process that he had to go through to get to that point, to get to that uh, point in kind of his own uh, spiritual and physicalness to, to be in God's presence. Only one time, and there were divisions that were keeping people from God. But he's saying now that everything's torn down, he says, all of us, all of us, in Jesus and through our faith. Why is our faith so important? Because it is through our faith that we may, what? Approach God with freedom and confidence. Usually, the more important a person is, the harder it is to approach them. Agreed? The more important someone is, the harder it is to approach them. When you think about world leaders, you think about our president, what happens to you if you just try to walk up and shake the president's hand? Someone's going to shake your hand, but it's not going to be the president, right? It's going to be about five guys with guns, and you're going to be on the ground, and they're going to have your arms behind your back, and kind of like that day Ron put me on the floor up here in a sermon illustration that he took a little bit further than I was planning, but Ron enjoyed it. The more important you are, the harder it is to get contact with that person. God's the most important person in the universe. What does Paul say that we can do to God? We can approach him. We can go to him in confidence. What does that mean? It means that I know that he's going to accept me when I approach him. He's going to listen to me when I pray him. He's going to appreciate my praise when I sing to him. He's going to accept my worship when I worship him. I can have confidence that not only can I go there, but God wants me to come to him and talk about those things, and sing those songs, and worship in those ways. I can have confidence in that, that I have a relationship with him. He's not a God that just sits up and rules over me. He's my father. It says, come sit beside me and tell me your problems, and I'll fix them. I'll walk right there with you. You're not in the storm by yourself. You're not facing the fire alone. I can walk on water. I can put out the fire. Just come talk to me. To me, that's one of the greatest blessings of our faith is that personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. We have His Spirit that lives within us. I mean, God is literally living in you as a Christian right now. And then we are looking forward to a time where not only is he going to, not, not just living in us now, but we're going to have that face-to-face -face relationship with him. But he says those barriers are already torn down for you to approach him and begin that relationship now. So if you feel alone, if you feel isolated, know that no matter what goes on in your life, you've got a God that says, come talk to me. I'm here. And I want you to come and be my friend, to come and be my child, and let me be your father. This is a wonderful text. 
that covers a lot of different things. Really, it's setting up the next couple of sections. So this is really kind of an introduction in the next couple of sections. But I pray that you will take the hope that comes with it, that you will take the encouragement with you today that comes with being an heir, with being joined together, with being part of a family, and having Jesus as your father, and then being willing to share that with other people. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then we'll have our invitation. God, we thank you for the chance to be together today. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to just lay our heart out before you this morning with one another. We pray that we leave uplifted from this time and encouraged to go out and just share our faith with other people, to share our story with you to other people in an effort to bring them into our salvation relationship with you. God, help us when we struggle with those things. Help us when, when they're challenging. Help us to share our faith even when it's hard, God. Let us just trust that you're going to walk us through those moments. Let us have confidence to share with other people in the same way we have confidence to come before you and talk to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember to love like Jesus.